welcome to another edition of Eddie's podcast, special Delta Sigma Pi election edition. And today we have a great guest, Megan Hill, who is the candidate for the Southern Provincial Vice President. Megan, are you with us today? I am, Eddie. It's great to see you. I can't believe it's been since Jacksonville uh, 2020. January, I think, was the last time we saw each other. That was my last uh, Delta SIG event. Um, And boy, am I ready to get to another one. Me too. Uh, Me too. It it looks like uh, the pandemic, maybe things will be opening up. Maybe we'll get vaccines and maybe the new normal will begin. So how have you been doing in these crazy pandemic times? Awesome. I have a, a really big commute from 15 feet away. You can see the bedroom door back there. So I do like working from home. I, it is uh, very flexible for sure. I love, I love the background. I see the Congress badge behind you. Oh, yes. Always, um, always behind me. <laughs> you got to have good flair. That's right. <laughs> so uh, you're running for a PVP, huh? I am. So right Who'd now- have thunk it? <laughs> I definitely didn't see it coming. <laughs> well, right now you are the Southeastern RVP, which right. means you're responsible for a certain proximity of chapters and you look right. after them. PVP is one step above because you, you have a board position and you're, you kind of have an, a national voice. So why did you decide to take the plunge to run for PVP? Taking the plunge, that's a very good uh, characterization. After four years, first of all, I never expected that I would be running for RVP. I loved being a district director. I served as a district director for six years and loved that job, but realized if I was RVP, I could better equip DDs to do their job. So that's what made me run for RVP four years ago in New Orleans. And since then, I swore then I was not going to seek any other office, but as I got more involved, as I started to listen more to what the district directors were saying and what some of the other RVPs in our province were saying and where we needed some help, I thought I have the qualities to be able to help there. So that's why I decided to jump up to the PVP pool. And you are going, if elected, and and right now you are the only um, candidate for this position that could change before uh, July. And I could still not be elected. (laughs) (laughs) Anything can happen. Um, You have, look, I'm looking at your your platform and and you have three uh, repeating themes that, that seem to strike at us. Transparency, innovation, and engagement. So let's Let's talk about each one of those and, and how you would advance. Let's start with transparency. Sure. So transparency to me is not just standing on a mountaintop and screaming out what you're doing, but it's really an engagement and soliciting a two-way street of conversation. So that's not just describing to Uh, other members and brothers what we're doing, but also soliciting feedback and making sure that they're involved in the process. And innovation would be up next. How would you innovate things? I think that the pandemic has taught us that we all as a society need to innovate. This is an excellent example. You and I having this conversation via Zoom 
is something that maybe we could do five years ago, but we weren't as equipped or as comfortable. And I think that we have a lot of opportunities to innovate our, our processes, but also our technology and the way that we do things in a way to better equip our collegiate brothers for the professional world that they're going to enter or they're already in when they're at their internships. Have you been part of the discussions of replacing the, uh, there, there's a management software that the fraternity uses. Um, do you have any thoughts about whether or not we need to move to another platform or do you know anything about this issue? I do know peripherally about the issue since I don't sit on the board now, I don't have as much access to some of that information. I think we should leave no stone unturned if our current technologies aren't meeting our needs, then we need to work with our vendors to make sure that they can move up to where we need them to be or investigate some other opportunities with other vendors. And finally, engagement. What are you talking about there? Engagement, I think, really goes hand in hand with transparency. One of the things that I've noticed in my conversations with district directors, with chapters, they don't really understand our processes and how the board makes decisions and how we move the ball forward into this 21st century, 2020 plus. Um, and so engagement is really important in making sure that we are involving our collegiate brothers and our alumni brothers. Things like task forces and committee work to help really bring those folks that are maybe not engaged into the fold and make sure that they know how these decisions are being made and make sure that they have a voice in those decisions. But it goes beyond just that. Also engaging folks that haven't been engaged maybe since graduation or they've gone off, changed careers or they've done the proverbial family time and now they are trying to get back involved, making sure that they're aware that there are more ways to be involved in the fraternity than the really high demand, high time demand volunteer positions like a district director or RVP or the alphabet soup that I call it. So talk to me like I'm an alumni that has been burnt out or spending family time and I want to get back into um, national fraternity world. I know about the national committees. I know about the elected officers. I have a general understanding of alumni chapters. What else would you tell me to bring me back into the fold? The first thing personally that I would say, since you happen to be in my province, is I would talk to you about what your strengths are and find out how we can plug you in with some collegiate chapters that may be looking for a speaker. This is a very low friction, very low time commitment way to get plugged in with the fraternity. And once you do that and you kind of rip the Band-Aid off, it makes it a lot easier to get involved in, in some other ways because there are so many ways to be involved. And with Zoom and virtual meetings, you don't even have to commute to visit with a chapter and have an impact on a collegiate chapter. 
So in the pandemic, we now have been locked up for a year, just over a year, and we have a, a turnover in Delta Sigma Pi. Usually every two, three, should be every four years, you have kind of a, a new crop of brothers. Um, and it looks like we may be going into a, a crop of brothers that have never even seen a live um, initiation. Right. Um, what would you do to, how would your new normal be to, to handle some of these folks that have missed out on the experience and, and get them up to speed in the Delta Sigway? Especially once those brothers graduate, it would be very important to encourage our VPARs to involve their recent alumni in their initiations and make sure that once we're doing in-person initiations that our alumni are invited. That does a couple of things. That makes sure that brothers who have not seen an initiation, it, it sounds crazy, but yes, we are looking at that that they'll be able to participate and be part of an initiation, but it also makes it easier for the collegiates once they graduate, they've seen those alumni faces. It makes it much easier to engage with them and visit an alumni chapter. It's not quite as intimidating as it, it may be if you're walking into a, a, a room full of old faces that <laughs> don't look familiar or might be intimidating. Or Zoom full of faces. Or Zoom. <laughs> or Zoom. <laughs> But it's remarkable how many chapters we can talk to through this technology and, right. um, you know, it, it, the driving distance is no longer an issue. I, I spoke uh, earlier in the week at a, a Texas chapter in, a, in an alumni panel and got to see brothers I haven't seen in years since my last Congress. So it was a lot of fun. Um, speaking of educational things related to Delta SIG, um, did you participate in the online uh, leads and uh, provincials this year? I did. I participated in a number of the sessions for the fall lead, which was a little different than how spring uh, provincial was. Um, and it was it was interesting because we could see all different faces, uh, faces outside of our province that we normally see. It was a bummer because I do miss going and uh, seeing everybody in person. And I missed the, the side conversations that we get, the hallway, let me ask you a question. Can you come chat with my chapter about this thing that you said in that breakout? We missed that opportunity, but yes, I did participate in them. Uh, and I love that they are putting them now into, putting these sessions into Delta SIG University. So, if for some reason you can't get to it that when it was live, you can go back and watch it, show it to your chapter. If you got something great out of it during the live broadcast, you can then go and show it to the rest of your chapter. I think the live meetings are important because it does give us that camaraderie and brotherhood yes. um, that you can't really get from a, a, a TV screen. Um, do you think we'll be going back to live leads uh, and that will be back to normal or do you think we'll be mixing it up like this past year has been? I don't know the answer to that. I think, I think our normal has forever been changed. I know 
in the business world and my company, our normal has been forever changed in how we do things. So I think that we will have in-person events, but I think there will probably be a little bit more flexibility um, to view things after. Um, but nothing is going to replace that in-person experience that you have now. I think the challenge will be convincing our collegiate brothers how important those in-person events can be to your Delta Sig life when all you've had is a hybrid or a virtual experience. And I, I think that's going to take some convincing from the alumni and the national leaders and the uh, collegiate officers who have participated. I think we're going to have to come together and almost kickstart the fraternity again. Um, because I, I love traveling and, and that was a big part of the experience and certainly the networking. And I didn't even know what Delta Sigma Pi was until I went to my first national event and my eyes were opened. Right. Um, so I, I hope we get back to those um, as soon as it's safe. Me too. I think the big thing when I first went to my, my first national event, it was a joint regional event and we drove up to the hotel and welcome Delta Sigma Pi was on the marquee out front. And I just thought, holy cow, I am part of something that's really big. And I was, you know, a junior in college and had never been to one of these. And everybody's like, oh, yeah, they always do that. But I've never seen our name on the marquee. This is awesome. So did you so get the magic? Was, did you get the magic picture of you in front of the marquee? Um, I did not. I took it from the car and it's actually on my Instagram page, but no, I, I did not get me in front of it. But gosh, why didn't I? Um, <laughs> so uh, what, what are like special memories that you have from Delta Sigma Pi that you would not have, but for being a Delta Sig? Oh gosh. What's really funny is I joined Delta Sig after my junior year. I was a transfer student. I had changed majors and transferred to a school that was primarily a commuter school as non-traditional students. So I just wanted to meet other business majors um, and saw a sign in the bathroom because that is how we used to recruit back in the day and showed up out of Meet the Chapter and never in my wildest dreams in 1990 did I ever think that among the people that I consider my closest friends would be Delta Sigs this many years later. Folks that I met when I was in college and folks that I met as an alumni, that's, that in and of itself, people that I consider my family, I would never have known had it not been for Delta Sig. That aside, one of the things that I love about my Delta Sig experience now is that I get to flex a muscle that I don't normally get to flex in my professional life in the training and sometimes public speaking that I don't really get to do um, dur during my day job for my pay. So that's one thing that I really enjoy now about my time in Delta Sig. You um, work for Tropical Smoothie and I loved in your, your platform, you say they don't let you make the smoothies. They don't for risk management purposes. My lawyer has advised that I don't discuss why. <laughs> I want to see the hairnet. Yes, if I make smoothies, they turn into margaritas usually. So, 
are the skills that you have working for Tropical Smoothie, specifically being a guest experience <laughs> manager? How is that translatable to your experience in Delta Sigma Pi? I'm a, I'm a juggler. I manage two different vendors, uh, a call center vendor and uh, a reporting vendor. And I am the person that fixes the problems when all the wheels fall off the bus. If, if a guest has a problem and we've not been able to resolve it uh, through my call center vendor or in the cafe itself, it, it comes to me and, and the buck stops with me. I'm, I'm the last stop between a guest and our CEO. So I take that very seriously that I will keep trying to do whatever it takes in order to satisfy that guest and make them whole along with taking learnings from their experience and making sure that we don't have a, a repeat performance um, that that guest experienced. So those things translate, I think, very well into Delta SIG. We're, especially at the board level, you're constantly uh, pulled in different directions. People are telling you that this thing that you did, they don't like, or they really like this other thing, but why didn't you do that thing? And I live there basically every day in my professional life. So I think that translates very well. I learned early on, if you're pleasing everybody, you're probably doing something wrong. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so sometimes good things come out of friction. Um, so uh, mentors, uh, who has impacted you the most on this journey? Um, if they're Delta Sigs, if you have any. Wow, this is going to very much embarrass this person, but I think Joan Mason is probably the person who I lean on the most to bounce ideas off of. Uh, when I was negotiating my salary for the job that I have, I called on her and did role playing with her, uh, but also she helps to ground me when I, um, for example, working on the campaign platform, I had all these things and she took notes and said, well, it looks like transparency, innovation, and engagement is what you're talking about. Yes, that's exactly what I'm talking about. So I would have to say that she is probably uh, my biggest mentor. That's pretty cool. I loved working with her on the, the foundation back when we referred to her as trustee mug. <laughs> she is also the person when I was dragging my feet to run for RVP, she looked at me and said, Megan, it's your time. So she was the one that gave you the push. Oh, there were a few people that gave me a push, but she she was uh, definitely somebody that said, but it's your turn. It's your time. Go. <laughs> so if if elected, you're on the board of directors. Do you have any um, like things you you specifically like projects you want to accomplish or uh, any changes you want to effectuate? I know there's one thing that's in the works and I've been um, working with a board member trying to help flush it out. And that is really creating a cohesive communications department within the staff and uh, worked on the job description for that. That's something that I'm very passionate about. I think a lot of times, as you said earlier, if, if you're making everyone happy, you're doing it wrong. <laughs> Yes, decisions that are made and things that we do are not going to make everybody happy. We are going to piss people off along the way. And I think the most important part of 
navigating that water is having an excellent communication and communication plan and somebody that's dedicated to making sure that that happens. So that's one big thing that I, I, I'd like to see on us on the staff side um, from our fraternity. Otherwise, I really would like to flush out the committee structure and make sure that we are setting a good example for our collegiate chapters in terms of the good governance by committee. Um, I think that we're not always setting a great example. We have some national committees, but I, I don't think we're rolling up from regions and provinces in a way that is most beneficial. But also as a district director and as an RVP, I've been beating the committee drum for chapters, collegiate chapters, because it's such a great way to ensure that we have a, a farm team, I call it, you're building the bench, but also that your transitions are more seamless when you already have three people that are standing by you knowing exactly what you're doing. I don't think we're setting a really great example um, doing that. So I, that's one thing that I would really like to see us do better. I am looking through the candidates beacon right now and there are a whole lot of regions that have no one at all running for them. Yes. Um, how, how could Delta Sigma Pi go about better cultivating leadership so we don't have so many of those vacancies? I think one thing that we can do is make sure that we're really describing our positions better. Um, when I was in the marketing world, we used to have one page slick sheets for new products and opportunities. And I think we're not doing a great job of advertising what some of these positions are. But also when an RVP is, is looking to staff the district directors in their region, we need to have more conversation about is there something else that you would like to do? Would you like to move into the RVP position? Can, can I mentor you to be in the position that I'm in? I think we just kind of do a lot of wait and see who doesn't step back fast enough. And I don't think that's how we're getting the best leaders. That's the, the voluntold uh, uh, attitude. And, and I, when I was RVP, I made sure I had a, a replacement that was qualified in that I had curated that leadership. Um, and, and I think it, it requires that kind of um, shepherding of, of uh, we have some great leaders. Mm -hmm. We just have to identify them and put them to work. And I'd like to point out that there is a Southeastern candidate for Southeastern Regional Vice President. I did work on two people and they kind of flipped a coin. <laughs> Well, congratulations on not leaving your old position empty. That's a, a high mark. Um, so tell us something, Megan, that um, no one knows about you. <laughs> no one knows about me. Well, something we might be surprised to learn about you. So one thing that a lot of people don't know about me is that I'm actually adopted. I was adopted when I was almost four months old. I came to live with my parents and my adoption was final just before my first birthday. That is beautiful. Is there anything else you would like to mention that I have not extracted from you in this 30 minute interview? <laughs> no, I'm, I'm really glad to have this opportunity to have a conversation with you. And I look forward to many more conversations 
And uh, I look forward to doing things that will make you proud, hopefully, as your uh, provincial vice president personally, but I also look forward to pissing you off <laughs> with some things too and having the conversations afterwards to make sure that we're uh, moving the in the right direction as a fraternity. Well, one way or another, you cannot steer a parked car. I have learned. That's right. So, That's right. Hustle yeah. mistakes are good mistakes. Um, well, uh, Megan, thank you so much for joining us today yeah. and letting us pick your brain about stuff. And uh, you were very open and candid and, and we appreciate your time. Great. Thanks. And uh, tune in for our next podcast and we will see everybody later. Have a great evening. Thank you.